Uh, today we have the distinguished pleasure to have one of our Gideons, a fellow a PCA member, uh, Mr. K. McWhirt. He's a ruling elder at uh, First Presbyterian Church in Dillon, South Carolina. So our elders are excited to welcome him and to come uh, share with us this morning. I bring you greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as we're reminded of a school in Brazil as the Gideons came on campus uh, to pick up a class that had gone on a field trip. You see, they were there a week earlier. And they, there was a class that had gone away. It was not able to be there for the distribution. So they came back the following week. And when they entered campus, here came a man in torn and tattered overalls shouting, Obrigado, Obrigado, thank you. He said last week, in despair and in desperation, I was on top of the school, working on the roof of this school. But what he didn't tell, what I didn't tell you is that the week prior to that, when some of the Gideons were placing the Word of God, one of the young men grabbed the Bible and he said, this is what I think of your Bible. And he threw it as hard as he could on top of the roof. Well, that gentleman was working on the roof of that school there and he received that copy of the Word of God. We appreciate the privilege and opportunity that y'all have given us to partner with the Gideon ministry. As you know, the Gideon International is an interdenominational association of Christian business and professional men serving as an extended missionary arm of a local churches. So you see when the Word of God goes out in these 200 countries, territories, and possessions, it has the fingerprints of Leaven and Presbyterian Church all over them. As we place the Word of God, we place it with the promise given to us by God in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, where He says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but accomplish that which I please and prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. You see, and I, I was learned a long time ago that any time you have opportunity to speak, you speak from where the Lord is teaching you. And I want to share a passage of Scripture with you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. Paul writes a letter to the Thessalonians to remember in Acts 16 where God called Paul, a man of Macedonia, said, come over and help us. Well, the Thessalonians were one of the first churches there. And in chapter 2, verse 13, he said, for this cause also... Thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. So in other words, he's telling the Thessalonians, you received the word of God because that's what it is. Not because Paul said it, not because Silas said it, not because Timothy said it, not because I say it, not because Pastor Copeland says it. You received the word of God as it is the word of God. And as we seek to do that and place His Word around the world in the highways and hedges, I want to share with you a little bit about the Gideon ministry you see in the Ukraine. You have over 2,000 Bible-toting missionaries as Gideon and auxiliary members in the Ukraine. Last year, they had an opportunity, unbeknownst to them of the war that was coming on, unbeknownst to them, they had an opportunity to place the Word of God, to offer a copy of the Word of God which each, each one of the students in the Ukraine, 10 years old and older, so as they went by, not a camouflage testament, as they went by placing God's Word there, these 2,000 Gideon and auxiliary members have, are doing a work there in Ukraine. In Russia, same way. You have 3,100 Gideons and auxiliary members, missionaries in Russia. And last year alone in all of Europe, 1.4 million copies were placed to God be the glory. Now I'm reminded of, of back in Nicaragua in March of 2002 when we got to Managua, Nicaragua, we found out that some interesting things. When I was a young boy, I remember the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. You remember the, the guerrilla warfare that was going on in the mid-80s that were there? And I, I remember seeing that on TV and being really concerned about that. 
But as we got there in 2002, I had an opportunity to sit beside a, a general from the Sandinistan Army at Verbo Pentecostal Church and worship right beside him. We, well, there's a Gideon and Buddy Axley in Choloteca, Honduras that was running a refugee camp in Honduras at that time in the mid-80s. Okay, Buddy Axley called our international headquarters and he asked for 100,000 Spanish Testaments for the Nicaraguan refugees that were fleeing Nicaragua going to Honduras. So as they received those 100,000 Testaments, we got to Managua in 2002 and we found out that there were over 100 evangelical pastors preaching in Managua, Nicaragua who received a Testament and came to know the Lord Jesus Christ at a refugee camp in Choloteca, Honduras in the mid-80s. These 100,000 Testaments bore fruit. God did a work in their hearts and they're preaching today. Well, let, let, me, let me bring that to today. Let me ask you a question. What was the impact in, in Moldova, in Poland, in Hungary? As we're seeing all these Ukrainian refugees and even now some Russian refugees that are fleeing their, their countries, but yet the Word of God is going forth in each one. Because you see, you have Gideons, you have missionaries in these places and we're sending God's Word to them. What's going to be the impact in years to come? The first thing we need, beloved, is we need your prayer support. Would you pray for the Gideon ministry that as we go and, and, and do the work that God's called us to do, as we partner hand in hand, arm in arm, shoulder in shoulder, placing the Word of God, would you pray? And see, when you pray generally, God answers specifically. He works in those details, and maybe during lunch I'll have an opportunity to share with you how He did that in Mozambique, how He worked in the details of Mozambique. But placing God's Word at Fort Jackson at Paris Island. You see, Brandon Blair was at Paris Island. Brandon Blair was actually, he was in seminary. He was going. He said, I got tired. I, got, I, I realized that at seminary, I got tired of going and preaching a message. And somebody would talk about what a cute message that was. Brandon's kind of a small fellow. And he said, it was a cute message. He said, I wanted souls to be changed. I wanted lives to be converted. September the 11th, 2001 happened and Brandon called his mother on September the 12th said, I'm going to war. She said, no, you're not. He said, yes, I am. He joined the United States Marine Corps. Brandon was much like Jonah and running away from God. So as Brandon ran away from the Lord, he got off that bus at Paris Island and he got a copy of the Word of God. But you see, Brandon, Brandon excelled in the Marine Corps. And he found himself before he knew it in Fallujah, leading a group of Marines. But Brandon got shot on long-range patrol. He got shot in the left side of his chest by a sniper. But beloved, Brandon had breath. Broke most of the ribs on the left side of his body. Brandon had breath. In that dirt floor hospital in Fallujah, one of his other Marines came in and said, I knew a boy from North Carolina who loved to have a watermelon. So they shared a watermelon together and they talked about how lucky Brandon was. And he said, yeah, I was lucky. And Brandon knew all along because the very next day that Marine that came in and shared a watermelon with him was not so lucky when he got shot exactly the same way Brandon did. Beloved, Brandon Blair is a pastor in Conway, South Carolina today at Langston Baptist Church. To God be the glory. Because God wooed him back into Himself. He wooed him. He made that impact in his life. Your financial support is critical to the Gideon ministry. And beloved, one thing I want you to remember is it starts right here at home. It starts in Fairfield County, placing the Word of God in Fairfield County, going into the uttermost parts of the earth as we have that opportunity. One Bible, $5. Ten Bibles, $50. Or perhaps the Lord may be leading you to provide a hundred a case of testaments at $125 to our military somewhere around the world. 
Thank you all for the privilege and opportunity of sharing with you what the Lord's doing. Mr. McGurk, can we pray with you now? You ask us to pray. Would it be alright if we just prayed for you now? To begin? Please. Father, we thank you uh, that you are the, the God of the universe. And you order the details of our lives. We pray generally you answer specifically. And Lord, we pray and cry out to you that as testaments are given and Bibles are given, that your word would go out and do all that you desire to accomplish. Your word promises that, but it will not return void. And we cry out to you, Lord, that you would be the Lord of the harvest, that you would bring in all the lost souls who belong to you, that Jesus said no one can snatch them out of my hand. Lord, I pray that you would use um, Mr. McWhirt and others who share tirelessly and give energy, who are businessmen who work hard at a nine to five, but do this as part of their own personal ministry as a calling unto you. And Lord, I pray that you would protect he and his family, protect others. And Lord, what a what a, a way to rejoice that those children in the Ukraine receive a Bible at school. Lord, we pray that you would use it to do the work of God in their generation. We thank you and we praise you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Thank you. If you are interested in participating in giving, if you would like to buy a Bible or a small testament or maybe a case of those, uh, you can do so in our offering today. You can use your regular giving envelope, just write Gideon's on it. If you'd like to give cash, just put it in in your envelope or one of the yellow envelopes and just mark Gideon's on it uh, when we take the offering later during our worship service. The Lord calls us to worship uh, from the book of Psalms. Let's stand together this morning. The Lord calls us to worship from Psalm 105. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Talk of all His wondrous works. Glory in His holy name. Let the hearts of those who rejoice seek You, Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face forevermore. Remember His marvelous works which He has done. His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. Amen.
Our Father in heaven, we bow before you as the creator God, the one who made the sun and the moon and the stars, the earth and everything that we see. Lord, we have gathered as your people today to worship you, to lift up the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to lift high the cross, to remember that it is by the blood of Jesus that we have been made your sons and your daughters. Lord, we pray today that you would pour out your spirit on your church, that we would worship you in spirit and in truth, and that the meditations of our heart would be a pleasing sacrifice to you. We desire everything that we do today, Lord, to bring glory to you, to point to Jesus and not to ourselves. And Lord, we join our hearts together as your people, the church now, praying the prayer that you taught your disciples to pray, saying out loud, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. This morning for our confession of faith, we're going to be reciting together the Apostles' Creed. It's in the green hymnal on page 845 if you would like to turn there. I'm going to begin by asking you, Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Hear these words of assurance from the book of Exodus, chapter 34, verses 5 through 9. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generations. So Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Then he said, If now I have found grace in your sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray, go among us, even though we are a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us as your inheritance. Amen. Let's continue to worship. Uh, Please turn in your hymnal to number 92. We're going to be singing, A Mighty Fortress is Our God.
seated. And I want to invite you to turn in your hymnal to page 820. Our responsive reading this morning is Psalm 99. We're going to read this together. I'll begin with the light portion. Uh, please respond out loud together with the bold. Psalm 99 on page 820. The Lord reigns. Let the nations tremble. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. The King is mighty. He loves justice. And Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. He spoke to them from the pillar of cloud. O Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Let's stand together as we continue to worship and sing hymn number 605, All the Way My Savior Leads Me.
morning for our pastoral prayer time, we're going to be praying for two of our missionaries. And I just want to point out maybe something that many of you know and it's easy to see or maybe overlook, that our missionaries are listed at the bottom of our bulletin. But also every week on the inside of the bulletin there is listed a missionary to pray for for this particular month. This month we are praying for Roger and Laura Dye. And what a privilege it is to partner with them for the sake of the gospel. And it seems also remiss if we didn't pray for the Gideons as well during this time. So let's bow our heads together as we come before the throne of grace. Our Father, we come to you as, as needy, sinful people. As beggars who need to hear the gospel. Who need to hear and believe of the cleansing blood of Jesus that we sang about. Lord, there are many things that as we sang, a mighty fortress is our God. There are things that we fear. There are things that touch our hearts in ways that cause us to doubt your presence, to question your promises, and to wonder if you truly are the Savior of your people. Lord, we cry out to you today that you would allow us to call upon your name, just as we read in Psalm 99 this morning, as we confessed with our mouth that you were the one that our forefathers called upon and we said together that you are the one who answered their prayers and we call on you today by faith. The same true living God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob who makes covenants with his people and keeps them. Though we are faithless, Lord, you remain faithful. Lord, we pray that you would be with us today by your spirit in this service of worship. And Lord, we do pray for the dies for Roger and Laura that you would bless their work. Lord, we pray for their health in this time of year when it would be easy to get a a sickness or an illness. We pray, Lord, that you would protect them, put your arms around them. And Lord, I pray for their satisfaction in what they do. Not just that they get up every morning and do the work because that's what we do, but because they have been overjoyed to think about their participation in the gospel ministry. Lord, I pray that you would fill them with faith as they run into challenges and difficulties that they wouldn't think about prayer last. Help them to run to you first. And Lord, I pray that for our people here at Lebanon also, that we would run to you as the Father who delights to hear the prayers of your people. Lord, I pray for many among us who are sick or ill, who wanted to be here today but couldn't be. And for others who are not here for various reasons. Lord, I pray for your people, your dear bride, the church here at Lebanon. That you would hold us up by your righteous right hand. That we would have a sense of your presence and closeness in our lives. Even today and even tomorrow as we get up to go to work and do the business that you have called us to do. Lord, I pray that you would encourage moms and dads and children and young people. That all of us would see all of life as flowing from your loving hand. In Jesus' name, amen.
I want to invite you this morning to open your Bibles to Psalm 23. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 4 this morning. Psalm 23. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God abides forever. Historically, and throughout the history of the church since the 1500s, we have celebrated this Sunday as Reformation Sunday. Over 500 years ago, our God moved in a mighty way, and He continues to move today. How fitting that we heard from Mr. McGuirk this morning about the work of the Gideons, and Jesus promised that His Word would accomplish everything that He desired it to. How fitting to hear about the distribution of Bibles, even in war-torn countries, in places where someone would say, here is what I think about your Word, and then it lands exactly where someone else needs it. Jesus accomplishes all that He desires. We celebrate the work of God today. We do every Sunday. But particularly, we celebrate the Reformation today. I want to share a brief quote with you from Francis Schaeffer's book, Death in the City. This is about the Reformation. Reformation refers to a restoration to pure doctrine. Revival refers to a restoration in the Christian's life. Reformation speaks of a return to the teachings of the Scriptures. Revival speaks of a life brought into its proper relationship to the Holy Spirit. May we be those who know the reality of both the Reformation and Revival so that this poor, dark world may be an exhibition of a portion of the church returned to both pure doctrine and spirit-filled life. The Lord our God moved 500 years ago and reformed the church. But this is not just a work that He did then. He's doing it now. He is conforming you and me and God's people all around the world into the image of Christ. And He's doing it every day. By faith, we are participating in the gospel through missions, through walking with the Lord Jesus every day in our own personal discipleship. This is not a work that's happening in some corner of the world. And it's certainly not only happening here. It is happening all over the world. Jesus promised to be the forgiver of sins, the Savior of God's people. It would be easy to be down in the dumps and to say, boy, the church sure isn't growing. Or it sure does seem like everything that our culture wants to do is to shove Jesus out of the marketplace, out of the square, out of the discussions, the relevant discussions of God's people and the society around us. But Jesus promised, I will build my church. And He's doing that today for His glory and for our good. As we look at Psalm 23, we've said a few weeks ago that it is so beloved as a passage of Scripture because it speaks powerfully of God's presence and God's peace when life seems to rage out of control. Many of us have been there. Maybe you were there this week. And it seemed like you were just watching life. You weren't really living it. It was passing by you like a movie or a commercial. Today in our series, 
on the good shepherd, we come to verse 4. And the phrase that says, I will fear no evil, which is our sermon title. There are two matters of fear in this text in Psalm 23. There is the process of and the event of actual physical death, the, the shadow of the valley. But there is also the evils in this life, true calamities, the miseries that we all see and some of us experience. And even we look at and shudder at the evil of people who seem to be led not by the Spirit of God, but by the Spirit of the devil. And it is a fearful thing to live in this day. Many of us believe God better come back in judgment because we're past hope. We're past redeeming. We're past saving. And yet Jesus promises to build His church. Last week I attempted to make a case that Christians need a theology of the valley of the shadow of death, of trials and actual physical death. Do you have categories for walking in that as a believer? Or is that something that so blows your mind that you cannot marry your experience with the Word of God? Jesus promises that His Word is sufficient for everything that we need. So it is sufficient. You need a theology of the valley and you need a theology of the God of the valley. The one who leads his people through it. David says to both of those, to actual physical death and to trials and difficulties in life, he proclaims, I will fear no evil. This is either the height of arrogance or perhaps ignorance about what real life is. Or it is supernatural faith given by none other than the Holy Spirit. It is nothing that a man or a woman can manufacture. It is the gift of God. What gave David such confidence to say these words in Psalm 23? How did he dare to say he had no fear? I'm not afraid of anything. Have you ever said that and inside you're shaking in your boots? I'm not afraid of anything. How can he say this? How does he dare say, I'm not afraid of anything? Does God desire this kind of confidence for you and me as God's people? Or is this just a a picture into one saint's life, one king's life in the nation of Israel? So this morning I want to look at this passage under three headings. Number one, God's promise. Number two, David's faith response. And lastly, hope for God's people, for you and me. Because if David said this, this is not something unique to him. We have to find what is it. That the Lord is speaking to us in His Word. What is the principle that we should be following here? What was God's promise throughout all of the Scriptures? Think broadly. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. This is God's covenant relationship with His people. And it's important to point out that Paul says in the book of Ephesians, more than once, that God said this while we were still sinners. Not when we brought the beauty of righteousness and laid it at His feet and said, okay... Now I have a reason to let you in the kingdom. No, this is why we were his enemies. Christ died for you and me. Justification is by faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, according to the scriptures alone. Those are the hallmarks of the Reformation. That's why we are here and and stand on the shoulders of great men and women who sacrifice much. You might remember that on October the 6th in the 1500s, William Tyndall was choked and burned at the stake because he wanted a copy of the Bible in the hands of people in England so that they could understand it. And the king said, no. They choked him to death and they burned his flesh. And right before it happened, he said, may the eyes of the king of England be opened. And two years later, God answered that prayer. 
And he authorized his translation, Tyndall's translation. We stand on the shoulders of men and women who sacrificed much in the face of evil for the church to continue to grow, certainly by God's grace alone. God promises, I see my people. I hear their cries for mercy. This is the deep abiding presence of God. He is not aloof, dear child of God. He is not indifferent to the happenings of your life. He knows intimately the details, even the things that you don't share with others, maybe even things you don't share with your spouse. He knows the cries of your heart. And God promises, I will take action. I will do it. I will dispel your fears, the fears of my people. I will deliver those who suffer. I will show you the strong arm of salvation. You shall see all that the Lord desires to accomplish. Psalm 147 verse 5 says, Great is our Lord and mighty in power. Did you come in this morning, dear people of God, slumped over and kind of wondering, well, it's just kind of dreary out. And that's the way the week's been for me. That's the way my heart is. Or did you come in today, great is the Lord and great is His power and He is moving in my life and I can see it here, here, and here, and here. All the dots connect because He's ordering my life. He's sending me on the path of righteousness and He is leading me like a careful, tender, good shepherd does. The hymn that we sing, How Firm a Foundation, comes from the words in Isaiah chapter 41. I want to share those with you. Isaiah chapter 41. It's so wonderful that our hymns are based on the scriptures. The word of God. We sing the word of God as we sing the hymns. Isaiah. In the book of Isaiah chapter 41 beginning in verse 8. But you Israel are my servant. Jacob whom I have chosen. The descendants of Abraham my friend. You whom I take from the ends of the earth. And called from its farthest regions. And said to you. You are my servant. I have chosen you and have not cast you away. Do you believe that, dear people of God? He has not relegated you to the shelf. He has not put you on second string. You are following the Lord, the living God. You walk with Him by faith every day. Who knows what He might do in your life? Just simply walking with Him and being obedient and trusting by faith. And it's okay if He gives you a quiet life of simple obedience, of peace and quiet and love for your family and love for your church. That's okay. It's his plan. He says in verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are the words of the living God to you, his people. Believe his promises. Count them as tender. Do not lightly set them aside. Surely that's not for me. That's for people who haven't messed up. In Psalm 62, verse 8, it says, Trust in Him at all times, you people. You people, us. We're the people. Trust in Him at all times. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Do you know that kind of desperation, dear child of God? Desperation. Pour out your heart before Him. I have nothing left. Nothing in my hands I bring. I give you my unrighteousness and you give me the righteousness of Christ And I am beautiful. I am beloved. And I am here pouring out my heart to you. Dear God, hear my prayer. I want to challenge you to do something. If your heart appears to be cold, or if it's not cold to the gospel, rehearse the covenant faithfulness of God. Turn to Genesis 3 and look at Adam. Go to Genesis 6 and look at Noah. 
Or go to chapter 12 and 15 and 17 and 21 where Isaac is born, keeping a promise that God had made, I will give you a son. And then look at 2 Samuel chapter 7. Look at God's promise to David. I will make you a king. I will make your name great. I will do things through you that generations will speak about. That we celebrate at Christmas. The dawning of the king of the universe who sits on David's throne. God promised. And what was David's response? Uh, Lord, did you have the right address? No. He said, who am I that you would do this? That you would make my name great. You have spoken about your servant for many generations to come. And who is the fulfillment of that covenant to David? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful to his people. So what was David's faith response? And I want to ask you, and there are many of us who might be cynical if we're honest, we'd say, well, David was kind of sheltered from real danger. If you remember right, he was the one out in the fields when the prophet came and all the sons came and paraded before the prophet. What was it that the Lord said to Samuel? None of these are my king. And he said, do you have another son? And his dad said, well, yeah, I I, I do. Um, Little boy, he's out with the sheep. And he said, bring him here. Bring him here that the king of the Lord may be anointed. And David came and he, he did. Rehearse the covenants of God. Think about God's faithfulness. So did, did David go from shepherd boy in the field? Does he really not have any real life experience? Did he go from shepherd boy in the country to the king in the castle? If you know the history of the Old Testament, you know that's hardly true. David was running all the time trying to get away from Saul and his enemies. He was all the time sleeping in a cave, nowhere to rest his head, no food, nobody who would be a true companion. He suffered. So he can say in Psalm 23 with faith and maybe tears and cries in his heart, I will not fear. It wasn't because he had nothing to fear. He knew that God had made a statement. I will be your God. David's response here is not what real men say. I'm not afraid of anything. David's response was one on his knees because God broke his heart of trusting in himself. I will fear no evil, not because I'm the king, not because I have an army, not because I can send them out and do whatever I want. I will believe and have no fear because my God has said he will be my shepherd. What can man do to me? I want faith like that. I will fear no evil, no calamity, no misery of this life, no death, whether mine or a family member's. No sickness, no illness, no indescribable pain, and not even the day that the Lord has numbered when he will call me home. I will not fear the pathway to death because he's calling me home. That's what David is saying here. I want faith like that. In verse 4a, David is saying, I acknowledge the real presence of fear in the face of physical anguish. I acknowledge threats of actual violence and evil in the world. True physical and spiritual difficulties untold things that God's people have suffered throughout the ages. And William Tyndall is just one example in the 1500s. I acknowledge real spiritual struggle. There are some days that are hard. I don't want to get out of bed. The pursuit of enemies that bite at my heel, I know what that's like because I ran from the king. I know what that's like. He agrees with the reality of life in a fallen world. He says, I see it with my own eyes. 
It's not something someone told me. I see it. I have seen evil. I looked at it in the face. I had the potential to cower within me. If left to myself, in my own strength, by my own resources, I will despair. That's what David is saying. By myself, I would do it. And he's saying, I'm not hiding my face from the horrible, defacing effects of sin in this world. I will not assign it to anything else but the sin of man. The fall is real. Original sin is real. My participation in it is real. And I have sinned before a holy God. I want to ask you this morning, dear believer, what about you? Is this where you are in life with David? If all evil results from the fall, if there are cosmic forces at work in this world that we cannot see, then guess what it does for you and me? It helps us to be able to let go of everything that happens to us from someone else. Be personal. I can breathe a little bit. The world is not against me. Everything is not happening because of something I did. There are spiritual forces at work And we can't explain it. I said last week it may be unsatisfying. But sometimes the answer to evil in the world is we don't know. God is in the heavens. He does all that He pleases. The secret things belong to God. The things that He's revealed belong to us. What about you? Are you there? In verse 4, the second half, He says, when He says, I will fear no evil, I stand by faith in the presence and power of Christ to deliver and sustain me. Either he will remove the threat or he will take me home. The thing that's in front of me, the sickness, the illness, the difficulty, the diagnosis that I got that I wasn't prepared for, it was just supposed to be routine. I was just going to see the doctor. I didn't have time for this in my schedule. But here God is working in the midst of his people. And he says, I will stand by faith in the presence and the power of Christ to deliver me and sustain me. Either he will remove the threat of evil or he will take me home. And if he takes me home, he will hold my hand the whole way there. All the way my Savior leads me. Isn't that what we say? All the way. This is not a defiant fist in the air screaming to the world, I'm not afraid of you anymore. This is a response to the promise of God. David is here not making a statement simply out of thin air. He's not saying, you believe what you want, but I believe this. He's saying, no, God has spoken, and this is my faith response. By His Spirit, I will trust Him. And if He brings me to evil, if it comes to my door, He brought it to me. My gentle Savior, my tender Good Shepherd. He brought it in my life for my good, that I would be conformed to the image of Christ, that I would look to Him by faith. If Jesus is only the, the Savior of your life when everything is going well, you have a small Savior. He is God of everything. Of the valley, of the mountaintop, and everything in between. And the Bible says He will bring us home. He says this is a response to the promise of God in prayer and praise. For you are with me. Are there better words in the Bible? He says to you, My heavenly Father, you are my king, you are my provider, you are my protector, you are my leader, you are my security, you are my safety, you are my confidence, and you are the hearer of my prayers. You don't pray to the sky, you don't pray to the ceiling tiles, you pray to the living God when you pray. When you say, dear heavenly Father, the throne room of heaven is open, dear people of God, call upon the Lord. 
is what his word says. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. These are the implements of the good shepherd. They're reminders of his presence with his people. And they are sufficient for his people. He is present and they are sufficient. I'm going to read a word about shepherds from Dale Ralph Davis comment that he made that I thought was very pertinent to this discussion and how we wrestle with this in our own hearts. He says we may need some correction here as we think about the shepherd's rod and staff. We need to remember that a shepherd's work was hard and dangerous and shepherds had to be what he called tough hombres. In the Treasury of David by C.H. Spurgeon he says that the shepherds themselves had none of that peaceful and placid aspect which is generally associated with pastoral life and habits. They looked like warriors marching through the battlefield. A long gun sling from their shoulder, a dagger and heavy pistols in their belt, a light battle axe or iron-headed club in his hand, such were their equipments. And their fierce flashing eyes and scowling countenances showed but too plainly that they were prepared to use their weapons at any moment. He's saying, you, Lord, have a staff and a club, and they're not there to make you look apart. They're there because you have tread out the winepress of the wrath of God for me. Your clothes are bloody because of my sin. I was cleansed on Calvary's hill. The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Do you believe that? Or is Jesus only gentle Savior, meek and mild? And lastly, this morning, hope for God's people. Hope for you and me. Everyday life. I'm not talking about only coming in on Sunday. I'm not talking about when life is good. There's money in the bank. The kids are healthy. You and your spouse are getting along. I mean, every day there's hope for God's people. Number one, rest in His care. Dear people of God, rest. Today is the Sabbath of the living God. Rest in His care. Jesus not only knows all of your trials, but He is at work in them. And He is at work in the sorrows of your heart. I want to ask you, what should a believer do with guilt? Where do you take it? Where does guilt go for the believer? If you carry it with you, dear believer, your shoulders cannot bear it. Guilt belongs at the feet of Jesus. It was nailed to the cross. Where do you go with sorrows? You take them to your good shepherd. You say, take this burden. And he says, take my yoke upon you. For my burden is easy and light and you will find rest for your souls. Rest in his care. Secondly, rest today, Sabbath today in God's presence. Dear sinner, This is all of us. Be reminded of his tender care and his presence in your life. Do you believe the good shepherd loves you? That you as God's people, the Bible says you are the apple of his eye, that he loves you. Come to him in prayer and faith. I want to share some lyrics with you from a a song that we used to sing in college. Come ye sinners, poor and needy. You might know it. Verse 1 says, Come ye sinners, poor and needy. Weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus ready stands to save you, full of pity, love and power. Verse 2, come ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance. Every grace that brings you nigh. Jesus draws you to himself. He does it by his grace and his love and his patience. In verse 3, come ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined, by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. 
You have to come to Jesus with guilt and brokenness and shame and sorrow. That's the only way to come. We don't have another way to get to Jesus. It's all we have to bring. The Bible says that all of our earning, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags in justification. John Calvin stood for that. He said justification is by faith alone. Martin Luther stood for that justification is by faith alone. You come to Jesus on his terms, not on your own. And lastly, rest today, dear believer, Sabbath in his salvation of his people. The good shepherd promises salvation to those who belong to him. It's a promise. You can be sure, not because of how sure you are, not self-confidence, but confidence in him because he said, I am the shepherd. He will redeem brokenness. And I want to finish with a quote from Spurgeon in the checkbook of faith. In the checkbook of the bank of faith, C.H. Spurgeon wrote, Up to this hour I have suffered no real damage from my many afflictions. I have neither lost faith, nor hope, nor love, nay, so far from losing them, they have gained in strength and energy. I have more knowledge, more experience, more patience, more stability, and I have before the trials that I had before the trials came, not even my joy has been destroyed. You serve the living God, dear people. Rest in his salvation. He promises to give joy and delight in him. And that's irrespective of your circumstances. Joy and delight in him that he's enough, that his salvation is true and real and sufficient. Rest in your good shepherd today. For he loves you and he cares for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for being able to come to your word now. To, to hear the gospel. We pray for ears of faith that what we have just heard will not go through our ears and drip out the other side. Lord, help us to believe by faith. Help us to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. And may we remember that the strength of our grip is totally dependent on his. It's not ours. And we thank you and we praise you for the salvation that you have wrought for sinners to be delivered from darkness and death and hell forever, that we might be in your kingdom, that we might live in mansions with you. We thank you and praise you, Lord Jesus. We are not worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together, together now and sing hymn number 699, Like a River Glorious.
seated as we take an offering to the glory of God. to the Lord and also going to pray for our meal uh, next door. Let's pray. Father, we dedicate to you now our tithes and our offerings, and we pray, Lord, that as we have given by faith, that you would add to the measure of our faith of hope and trust in you, that you are the great provider, that you are the one who takes care of our families, and that in the midst of our work, you are working. Lord, we pray that we would be cheerful in our giving, that we would do so by faith out of a heart of joy. And Lord, I do pray Uh, that you would do your work through this offering, that the gospel would go forth, that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed. Not simply that people would be nicer or treat people better, but that they would hear of the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross and his glorious resurrection. May we hope in you as your people. Lord, I do pray for our meal next door, for the hands that have prepared it, for those who have worked tirelessly to prepare that we would enjoy. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would bless it to our church family. We thank you for this fifth Sunday to celebrate another day that you have given us life to worship and to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.
our benediction, just want to remind you, no Sunday evening services tonight and no officer training. Uh, next Sunday we will meet at 4 o'clock for new members class and then at 5 for officer training. Receive the benediction of our Lord from the book of Numbers, chapter 6. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put My name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Amen.